Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. And today we have another gun gripe episode for you. This one is going to be a little bit of fun. We're going to be taking a little bit of a detour from just the straight up political stuff, and we're going to actually poke a little fun at our own people for a change. And we're going to be talking about gun gangs, right? The cliques, the groups of, uh, you know, the gun cults that we see throughout society. And I think you're going to really enjoy this video. We're going to talk about Glock fanboys and HK fanboys and everything in between. And uh, this will be some good, honest fun. So let's get into this. But before we get started, I would like to thank our friends at Pyramid Air uh, for supporting our channel. If you are looking for anything air gun related, they are your go-to source. Guns, tanks, projectiles, accessories, accoutrements, if you will. They got great Awesome selection, fast shipping, really good prices. And if you text IV8888 to 91256, you'll actually get $10 off your first $50 or more order. So check them out, Pyramid Air, and a big thanks to them for supporting our efforts here on the channel. All right, so we're going to get into this a little bit. Chad and I uh, decided to, to throw this out of the mix a little, and, you know, because in some of the previous gun gripes that we were making, we were sort of discussing how sometimes our community can almost be their own worst enemy in some ways, but that is kind of the charm of it. I suppose that, you know, you do get interest groups together within the two A community that, you know, they like certain things and we're going to kind of try to break some of those things down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just like the United States of America, the gun community is a giant melting pot of cultures and beliefs and religions. Yes. Even religions, it is. There it, are there are churches that worship with the AR-15. Did you know that? No, but I am going to look that we're up because I, I want to find out some more information about that as we're uh, as we're having our chat here. <clears throat> you know, I, I think the easiest ones to look at initially, right, are going to be your, your usual suspects, right? Like the Glock fanboys, which we've been accused of being Glock fanboys, right? Um, H and K fanboys. I mean, there's. The AR versus uh, AK debate. I mean, there's all these little subsections that we can kind of get into if you want. Um, let's just find somewhere to start and kind of go after it. <laughs> all right. So what, what rifle church do you belong to? Do you belong to the church of the AK-47 or do you belong to the church of the AR-15? Well, I, I have to say that I worship at the church of the AR-15, most certainly. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I love AKs. They're great. And again, this is a this is a time honored argument that gets passed around is which platform is superior, the AK or the AR. And I have to say, I'm definitely an AR guy. So there's the funny thing is like there's people out there that will go to bat on social media these days for one or the other, and they fervently defend their position to the point of absurdity almost. Um, but it's just so funny to see the arguments when, when they get started about one system being better than the other. And then even within those subsections, you have other subsections of folks that are like DI only. Like uh, they worship at the, the DI altar or they worship at the piston altar. You know, like DI is trash. Piston is God. I yeah. mean, dude, like it is insane how you much know, is out there. And it's crazy how so many people – say that the AK is such a rugged gun, and they are. I mean, look, they're mass-produced. They hold up pretty well, all right? But they're not infallible. I mean, AKs have their share of issues. I mean, look, look at some of the, the mud tests that Ian's done over at Forgotten Weapons, or In Range TV, I think mm -hmm. is the channel they post those on. Mm -hmm. Carl and Ian over there. 
But when they were doing their mud test, the, the AK crapped the bed numerous times, and the AR actually held its own quite well in that test. I was very surprised. I've always felt that the AR is a more accurate platform, smoother recoil. And for me, it's like I look at accuracy as the pinnacle. I want accuracy. I want a fast round with some decent velocity. I want better range, flatter trajectory. So whereby there's AKs that will fit the bill. There certainly are. I, I own many AKs. I love 545 by 39. It's one of my favorite cartridges. Uh, I would say that's probably where I would draw the line between the distinction of the two, Chad. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to compare an AR to an AK, that you have to compare the 545 to the 556 in a gun with a modest or equal barrel length. And and then, then in some of those situations, the AK might actually be a bit superior. You've got a folding stock, so the gun can get into a little bit more compact configuration. The 545 has a stiffer barrel because the hole's smaller for the same size barrel stock. We've gone over this in numerous videos, but you can start to blur the lines between those two distinctions. Now, I do have a Vice article pulled up here, and there's your church you're there talking it is. about. I'm telling you. Dude, We're uh, so, so we're going to put a link to this article uh, in the description box below so you guys can see what we're seeing. There's literally some dudes standing here with ARs <laughs> in this church, and it's a Vice reported on it. Wow. Attendants of the church hold their assault rifles. Oh, of course, they're going to use the term assault rifle. Uh, while church members listens to a sermon during a blessing ceremony at the Sanctuary Church and the Rod of Iron Ministries That's it. on Main Street in Newfoundland, Pennsylvania on Wednesday. <laughs> the Rod of Iron. The Rod yeah. of Iron. The church that worships with AR-15s bought a 40-acre compound in Texas for its patriots. The Rod of Iron Ministries has become more militant since leader... Young Jin Son Moon <laughs> attended the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Oh, what? Oh Vice, my Vice. gosh! What Here we doing? go. Well, anyways, I mean, it takes all types, doesn't it? Well, they they might be a little bit biased. You can probably go to find the Wikipedia article that would be a little yeah. bit more factual. But I mean, you know, I do enjoy Vice's reporting sometimes. Look, though. we have freedom of religion in this country, and I just it is funny to me that. In a ritualistic sense, these rifles would be used in a church setting. But hey, hey, like more power to you. This I remember is- when the Russians were invading Georgia the first time around, the, the first Russian conflict. I mean, how many other Russian conflicts has there been in recent times? But when Russia invaded Georgia, now not the state Georgia, the country, when Russia invaded Georgia, I remember... Um, we were riding by in Georgia. We were there um, to train them. And this was right before the Russians came pouring into Georgia. And we were there on a training mission. And I recall seeing some of the dudes there that were guarding, let's just say, more of the, you know, like the Capitol and, and the more important areas, government buildings and stuff. They were armed with Bushmaster XM-177s. Semi-auto. They didn't even have auto sears in them. They were semi-auto Bushmasters. And I remember seeing news articles after we got back where the priests over there were blessing the rifles. They would lay all the rifles out on the table, and they'd go down the line, and they would bless them with holy water and stuff. So, you know, and that's, uh, I guess it's that Orthodox, uh, Eastern Orthodox. Before going into battle, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, and and that's cool, you know. it's, It's important that... You know, you have to take care of, of the of the tool that takes care of you mm-hmm. in battle, you know, so I guess it's important to, 
bless those items in that situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we want to talk about Glock fanboys and kind of, because we all get into our little, our little groups and, and we, we hold those groups, you know, near and dear. And Glock fanboys are probably, I don't know, I would say Glock fanboys and 1911 fans are the ones that fall into the, into the most distinctive categories of, the fanboy status and the ones that will militantly guard their opinions about these particular items uh, to a fault. They'll argue with you about it if you say anything bad about the gun that they choose. I think, well, I think to a certain degree it's 1911s against anything that's polyphrone. Yeah. So there's that. But I think the, I think the, the big conflict is between, all right, number one, between like Glock and SIG. Mm-hmm. And then HK and every other polymer frame gun. Mm-hmm. And then, all right. 1911s versus the world. 1911s versus the world. And then, all right, the most, what, what's the most hated fanboy cult group out there that everybody hates? Hmm. Think, think about it. What haven't we, what haven't we named? This is just my opinion, the way I, I think. Well, if, if, if I, can gather what you're probably getting at. I would say either like Keltec or High Point, maybe. No, no. CZs. Oh, like, CZ C- fanboys are a thing, man. They're like, they're like the millennials. Of well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the. It, would, would it be fair to say they're kind of like the millennials of the gun cults, or are the they more like the intellectuals? The, I mean, we're. <laughs> I don't know. Because CZ's got a lot of classic designs, and they've moved yeah. on to a lot more modern designs. Glock has been basically the same forever. Yeah. Sig's basically been the same forever, except for things like the P365 and all. They've got a military contract now, and they stomped Glock out of the water, so the Sig fanboys have that to go on, right? They give the sure. Glock fanboys the beatdown over the M17 winning the contract, right? That's right. All right. But, I don't know, I think CZ is just... I think Sig I, just won out on price, man. I know. I know. Well, I think they got. I think they outpriced Glock. Price probably modularity reason. too, because I mean it's a it's an interesting system, you know, and it's very modular. Being able to replace parts and components. From I will an say though that if I had to service a pistol, though, I'd rather service a Glock. Me too. I mean, In what terms thirty of replacing an actual part? Like if you took that trigger mechanism, yeah. that modular system. Yeah, you still got to pull the thing apart to replace something. It, the Glock is still easier to service. Yeah. The Fire control unit, the FCU. Yeah. I mean, look, I love it. Uh, I tend to be kind of one of those people that it's difficult sometimes for me to uphold any one company more than the other because of what Chad and I do for a living. And, you know, we're always showing off so many different guns and we've been exposed to so many different guns. I guess this is in of itself almost a gripe about ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And and that's okay. It's all right to admit fault sometimes or to say when, you know, you've got a a certain situation you got to adhere to or whatever, but we have to be unbiased, right? You know, I have to be able to, if I'm doing a video on a CZ and I love that gun, well, I'm going to say, wow, this is a great CZ. I love it. Or this is a great Henry or this is a great Glock or a great MMP or, uh, you know, man, we've shot so many SIGs that we like and HKs that we like. And we've gotten to shoot so many different types of guns that it's, it's really easy to get jaded after a while that you go, wow, like, is it possible to hone in on what you really love that much? I mean, I think the answer certainly is yes. But is that to say that we're just going to become some raging fanboy for a certain company? 
just because maybe one or two of the guns that they put out we really, really like? I don't think that's logically consistent to do. Um, you know, admittedly, I was in the group where for a long time I considered myself to be a Glock fanboy, and I got accused of it quite a bit uh, in the early years of our YouTube channel. And look, Glock makes a fine handgun. I'm definitely not here to say anything bad about Glocks. I think they're wonderful. They're definitely util utilitarian pistol. They're solid. They're reliable. They're like the Honda Civic of guns. Mm -hmm. A Honda Civic, you get in it, you crank it up, it takes you where you need to go. It ain't flashy. It ain't fancy. But you know what? It gets the job done. It's a workmate. It gets you to the job, gets you home to your family. That's what a Glock is known for. Util utilitarian, boring reliability, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but I think that a lot of the people that worship at the cult of Glock, they tend to not be able to get past, I guess, the legendary reliability and the legendary status <clears throat> that Glock has and, and maybe expand their horizons onto something else. Well, look, I mean, as a Glock fanboy, nobody has anything else to go on, man, because perfection. I mean, that's Glock's mantra. So how can you top perfection, right? I must say, you know, it... I don't want to be critical because I do love Glock pistols. However, I do feel like the company has probably rested on the laurels a bit. I think that's putting it nicely. I mean, how many people have been asking for years for Glock to release some form of a carbine? Dude. How <laughs> awesome would that be? I mean, look at the PCC market. Look how on fire it is. Look at how many companies are essentially outmaneuvering them in the market. And look at how many companies like PSA with mm -hmm. their dagger – which we'll get into PSA fanboys in a minute. Mm -hmm. oh Look, I, I, I'm a PSA fanboy, but maybe for different reasons than you might think. But we'll get into that in a minute. But look at the PSA mm -hmm. dagger where you've got a gun with an RMR cut, a threaded barrel, high night sights. I'm talking tritium night sights with magazines, a case, everything ready to go. Good deal. Like nice coatings, lightning cuts, mm -hmm. ergonomic pistol ready to use that is essentially does the same thing. For like 400 bucks. I'm still of the and belief. And it's ready to go out the box. You got a suppressor host out of the box for $400. It's, it's unfathomable to me how they can. Look at the canics. I know. I mean, those guns are very affordable. And they're so functional and accurate. Well, um, like with PSA, if you want to get on that topic, it's still unfathomable to me how they sell guns at the prices that they do and keep the doors open. I, I'm still of the belief they have like an army of Oompa Loompas. I'm, I'm serious, like an army of Oompa Loompas in the factory running that place, and they're paying them in, like, chocolate, you know, or something like that. Something. I, I don't know. Something. But it is amazing to me how their business model works and how they can offer guns at such low prices, not only <clears throat> guns, but quality guns, mm -hmm. reasonable quality guns that work, right? I mean, how many PSAs have we ever shot that didn't work out of the box? You know? I can't really say that I've had a major issue out of a PSA product now, you've heard stories of where people say, well, I had a front sight post on my A2 that was canned a little bit, or my gun had a few scratches or whatever. Maybe they neglected to notice that it was sold as a blim item, which that's common. They do have some blims from time to time they'll sell. The point is, though, you also have to look at the pool of guns that you're drawing that imperfection out of, right? So if a gun, all right, one gun that you heard about that had a canned front sight post, okay, you realize how many freaking guns these people are selling all the time, right? So how many guns were perfect, and how many times did you hear about the one squeaky wheel that might have had an issue? I'm not going to say there's not issues, 
but the more guns you make, inevitably you're going to run into some gun that's going to have an issue here or there. But they stand behind them. Well, PS- they take, they're going to take care of it. Yeah. Anybody who is a PSA fanboy should be a fan or should be proud to be a fanboy because PSA is doing um, the the work of making firearms um, commonly available mm-hmm. and. What's the uh, term that we use quite often? Well, what what we want to do is create much more of a common use type yes. profile amongst certain varieties of guns yep. that traditionally would maybe have a harder time being thrown into that common use category. When we look at, now this is getting more on the political grandstand, but I think it's important mm-hmm. to give PSA their props where it's due, okay? Is that when we look at common use, I think there was a situation where I I forget. I don't have the information in front of me because I I wasn't exactly prepared. I didn't know this was going to come up in conversation, so I'm just going to sort of paraphrase it. But essentially, a sum of some 20,000 stun guns was considered common use because I think they were trying to say, oh, you can't carry stun, stun guns in the city limits or some crap like that or some ordinance or law or something they're trying to pass to restrict carrying of guns and, and, and other weapons in the city limits or something. And they wound up determining that, well, if there's 20,000 tasers out there, that that's considered common use. Well, 20,000, that ain't nothing compared to guns, right? When we start talking numbers of guns, PSA sells thousands and thousands and thousands of guns, probably monthly, right? So, when these people are trying to say, oh, well, that gun isn't protected by the Second Amendment or that gun falls under the NFA because it's it's unusual or odd or it's not in common use, that that is completely a lie, right? When we look at that, uh, PSA has done a great job of making certain guns much more in common use. In fact, I saw a SHOT Show where PSA is finally going to release their version of the Sturmgewehr, all right? They're going to release it in the uh, 8mm Kurs. 762 by 39, and I think I saw 300 blackout and maybe even 556. So how cool is that to think that maybe one day we'll have an affordable Sturmgewehr that we can actually, you know, everyone can own. And, and, you know, the originals, of course, are very rare and very expensive. And uh, so I think that they have done a fantastic job. And I think it's worth giving props to someone like Century as well, who have made the delayed roller blowback guns a lot more uh, prevalent and easy to get. I mean, I remember when you could buy Setmes for $400. They weren't super nice, but gosh, you know, a G3 type gun for 400 bucks, 500 mm-hmm. bucks. That was a great deal, you know? Um, and then look at the, at the MP5s they're bringing in, right? You would have never thought that you would see something like one of those AP9s or whatever that, that Century puts out. You never thought that you would have saw one of those for like a thousand bucks. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd never buy an MP5 clone for a thousand bucks. And that's still a lot of money, but it's more affordable. Yeah, it is. But like PSA, when they were, um, they were teasing on their MP5s that they were going to be releasing. I mean, the, the estimated retail price was going to be like 900 bucks for like MP5K variant. Like, heck yeah. Look, if y'all don't know, you know, MP5s use a receiver flat that has to get very carefully, you know, Folded over and everything and pressed in place. They use like, I guess, a hydraulic it's, press it's or stamped. some type of a stamping yeah. or whatever. And then they have to be welded precisely. I mean, MP5s are tricky to make. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not exactly, they don't lend themselves to mass production quite as well as something like an AR. I mean, AKs are tricky too. Now, PSA, not, not to, I, 
here I am being a victim of my own gun gripe. I, I, I will get off of PSA and move on to another company, but PSA has also done a great job of bringing AK manufacturing to the United States, and they have seemingly kind of figured out the model for uh, mass producing mm-hmm. these things and making them affordable, mm-hmm. which is that's also an admirable thing to mention. Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompas. Yeah, they've got they've got little Russian Oompa Loompas drinking vodka and smoking cigarettes in the back <laughs> going, pass me another better blank, Dimitri. You know? It's like <laughs> do they do like one of these dances? Yes. You know? Yeah. Every time one goes down the line, they just... Press the barrel into the AK trunnion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sort of thing, right? Okay. Yeah, and all they do is they feed them like strawberries and they give them like wine and cigarettes and that's it that's all they eat that's oh all their God. diet is cigarettes all right, anyway vodka. we're gonna we're gonna all move right. on we're all gonna right, move what on about, but psa um, you know definitely i think they deserve good props okay it's so, worthy of being a psa fanboy because a lot of folks their first gun is a mm-hmm. psa it's affordable yep. nothing wrong with that um so all right thinking about ars all right so fanboys within the ar world Ooh. all right so you have Okay. Like, I can feel the heat. If it ain't a cult, it ain't nothing. Yeah. Right? All right. So, and, and like, I think about cult fanboys. And cults kind of, I mean, they've kind of fallen out of the spotlight for sure. I mean, with the other, with other newer, more prevalent AR manufacturers that are out there. I um, do like their retro stuff. The, the retro stuff is cool, cool. And the classic cults still hold a lot of value, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like S- SP1s and whatnot, they're still very desirable guns. And mm-hmm. a lot of the cloners out there, which, God save me. That's I will, a whole other group. I will never understand. I, look, I understand, like, the whole idea of, of clones, but these people take it to another level, man. Like, for example, okay, I wanted a clone of an Israeli uh, you know, IDF Ruger 1022, right? So mm-hmm. it didn't have to be like exact down to the smallest nut and bolt and screw and everything else. Like I just needed a facsimile of that just for my own personal enjoyment. Mm-hmm. These guys, they have to have like the exact takedown pins and like, oh, if that, that spring isn't new old stock from 1984, I don't want it. Yeah. I, I mean, like, and specific receivers with the, the very, um, specific markings on them from a given model, mm-hmm. they will pay thousands of dollars for a receiver to get this gun together. And you get that satisfaction. It's like, ah, it's done. Now what do I do? Oh, I build another clone. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I can understand the the, the clone crowd. You know, if it's got to be right, it's got to be right. You know, I, I think that if you're going to put a lot of money into a delayed roller blowback, I mean, like that Zenith that I have, you know, I've got a considerable investment in that gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want it to look right. You want it to have all the, the correct stuff. You want it to look like the real thing. If you can't afford a real MP5, you want it as close to the real thing as you can get. Or I think another distinctive area of clone builders that are out there are folks that, you know, like myself, you know, I had a, you know, M16A4, Knight's Armament, flat top receiver, Knight's Armament rail, you know, the the cheesy little knight's armament like grip board grip on it, you know, and uh, the, remember those those scales that would go on the uh, on the knight's armament rails that you had to push in, you know, kind of push them hard and slide them off, and they always like cut your hand open and stuff. They were just you know real sharp edges, you know, the old school rail systems. You know, there is, I think, something to be said for having 
a clone of maybe a service rifle you used in the military. You know, maybe you want it to look as close to the real thing as possible. Maybe you want to try to replicate some wear that your gun had. Maybe you had some scratches on. Maybe you painted it a certain way. You could paint it that way again, you know. I mean, when I go so far as to, you know, seek out a real deal Knight's Real System, yeah, I probably would. If I was building a clone, a real deal M16A4. But then again, you get into like FN. FN has their military service mm-hmm. line that, sure, it says FN on it and not Colt. But they're pretty dang close to what a lot of us were issued in the sandbox. So for a guy like me, that's good enough. Like if I bought, you know, one of the M16A4s from FN. Well, there you go. I'd put an ACOG on that thing, yep. maybe put a 203 on the bottom and, and just be done with it, you know, make, kind of go all out, make it a little silly. All right. Let me, let me pose a question. All right. So with, with the rise of Palmetto State Armory and, you know, the ARs and stuff that they're putting out and selling mm-hmm. like hotcakes, uh, you think some of the spotlight has come off of Anderson and the whole poverty pony mantra? Well, you know, you know it, it is interesting to note that PSA just released their spiker. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's a, like it's a, it's a clone of the old school Chinese Norinco Polytech mm-hmm. Spiker Type Fifty Sixes. I guess. Yeah. So no, that, that's that. The Type Fifty Six was the SKS. It was you know the AK the like Spiker AK, yeah. AKs. They had the you know real fat ugly wood grip on them. The real thick heavy furniture and the built in bayonet lug like you saw in the SKS yep. with the spike bayonet just like an SKS. But anyway. You're seeing the cloning in the S in the AK world as well. Now the poverty pony thing, that's a cult in of itself, and I'll I'll agree that. Look, I I've built many ARs using Anderson lowers, and I have no major complaints with them. The ones that we have, they hold up just fine. They work okay. Um, I'd say maybe about the only issue we've ever seen out of them is um, on some of them. Uh, the hole for the grip screw is not always machined all the way through. It's not tapped all the way. It's not tapped all the way through. It's machined all the way through, but it's not tapped all the way through. And sometimes you have to either chase it with a tap or shorten the screw for the grip. Mm. That's about the only issue. And then sometimes maybe the anodizing is a little thick. Sometimes you may have to just chase some of the pinholes a little bit here and there. But all in all, not bad for the money. Mm -mm, Not bad. But I, I'd say that a lot of the, the higher-end AK fan or AR fanboys within the AR cult hate the cheaper stuff like Anderson's. Mm-hmm. And they like, no, I'm not going to touch that crap with a 10-foot pole. But, you know, the funny thing is that I don't think a lot of them really understand. There's only, like, a handful of forges where all those forgings come from. Yeah. You know, and then they're finished machined basically the same specs. And they're borderline the same receivers, more or less. Huh. Ex- unless you're dealing with a higher-end uh, custom forging like what Daniel Defense uses or some of the other higher manufacturers that have ambidextrous controls and features on and things like that. Mm. But for the most part, for the most part, an AR receiver is an AR receiver is an AR receiver. Yeah. You know, but I can see that. I can understand like the cloner's perspective. They want things a certain way. They want specific markings because it's, it's a collector's niche and I get it. I get it. Sometimes I just don't understand it. You know yeah. what I mean? All right. Uh, so all right, another high-end AR manufacturer that people love to just crap on. All right, and I've had experience with with these guns, but the nice armament guns. All right, you look at the price of these guns and you think, oh my god, like why do they cost so much? And I still wonder that myself. But like the Stoner rifle, okay? the M110 is a fantastic gun. So yeah, but you've got like the SR25s, 
you've got the uh, uh, the SR15s, you know, the 5.56 versions and such. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity to shoot those guns on a number of occasions, and they are very fine rifles. And they have some very unique features, uh, comparatively speaking. But what I want to understand is how commonly available components, like for a lower, should cost four to five, six times more than what the going rate is for some of those parts, like springs, like pins, like takedown pins. I things think like that, that you're you're paying for a name, but you're also paying for in like in a situation like that. If you look at um, an LMT, or you know, I think an LMT would be a, a great area to look, or like the Noveski mm-hmm. rifles. I mean, they're just put together with a great deal of care. And like on the M110, you know, that usually you're, you're going to buy it as a deployment package and it has a suppressor with it. Yep. And those suppressors are absolutely tuned and fitted to each individual gun properly so that everything's good to go. I mean, you got the optic on there that's bore sighted and ready to go. I mean, it's literally a deployment package. Some of those things can be $20,000 I've yeah. seen on the, on the open market, you know. They're nice. I mean, look, the M110 is a fantastic gun. And look, I've seen, um, I've seen cut. I've seen uppers being separated from SR25 lowers going for several thousand dollars for the mm-hmm. upper, like well above what the retail cost would be, but in a configuration that you can't get. Mm-hmm. So I had a buddy that wanted... You see that with HK a lot. You do. So I had a buddy that had um, a 14 and a half inch SR25, and they didn't offer like a complete gun at the time. So he had to piecemeal it together, and he did some horse trade and all, but this was like a $6,000 setup. Mm-hmm. But... This thing shot numerous half MOA groups, and I was very pleasantly surprised at how accurate this thing was. And like I said, they're a fine gun, but man, like the sand cutter um, bolt carrier groups that Knights has, they're. I mean, I've seen I've seen guys sell these things and buy them up for a thousand bucks for a bolt carrier group just so they can complete their clone or their their current rig or upgrade or something. It's just insane to me the market for KAC. Product I know. is insane. I mean, that is a cult within a cult within a cult within a cult. Yeah, to a certain degree. But I you, mean, you know, every every group has got you know their diehard people that that are that are big fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, look at Kevin's people. Q. I mean, look, Kevin is an awesome dude. I mean, I I converse with Kevin from time to time, and and look, I think highly of Kevin Burningham, and I think highly of Q, and I think some of the things he's done with his products are pretty freaking. Awesome. I mean, he's done a great job at making some real futuristic stuff and being very forward thinking, you know, he's working with that eight, six blackout. That's Mm -hmm. cool. I mean, he's really thinking outside the box, you know, and his fans and his fan base, certainly, you know, they're all very logical people. They're all very nerdy. They love to, to really get into the weeds about data and numbers and things. And, and, you know, Kevin, he, he's very, he's very much in that, in that mindset, you know? So, you're always going to have those groups of people that that fall into their certain fan bases. And, you know, sometimes it's warranted. We look at CZ, you know. I know CZ has this, you know, reputation, right, for just, like, being a hipster gun or I don't know how they would figure on that, you know. But maybe it's just because it's, you know, double single action and ah, who knows, all metal gun. Maybe it crosses that bridge between being, like, the bespoke quality of a 1911 being metal to metal you know, they do have polymer guns, too, mm-hmm. but they still make a lot of metal frame guns. So maybe there's that bespoke quality, but it's still a production gun that puts it into, into like, 
I don't know, like this sort of aesthetic of being a, an affordable race gun like mm-hmm. the Shadow 2, you know, know, which is a great gun, you know. I, I love CZ pistols, but but am I a diehard CZ person to the end? I wouldn't say that. I mean, I love MMPs. I love all different types of pistols, too, but mm-hmm. it's just so weird to think about it in those terms. Well, it's funny because there's people out there I've seen just – on social media, and there's meme, there, there's like meme threads on AR15.com and other mm-hmm. forums about this kind of crap, but like Glock fanboys or the SIG fanboys mm-hmm. or the N1911 fanboys, they stick to like one type of gun and they will not buy, use, trade, look at, touch, smell, anything mm-hmm. else. They will not do it. They refuse. And that's a travesty. I will say this. Because you're not sampling all the water, man. I know. I will say this, though. There have been situations where I'll take a gun out, and generally, like, I know within a pretty quickly if it's something I'm going to like or not. You know what I mean? I remember when we first got those Canic Elites in, and we were doing videos on those, and, I, you know, I've never been a huge fan of the of the standard Glock trigger, and I've always struggled a little bit with some of the striker-fired triggers because I grew up shooting revolvers in 1911s. Sorry, it just is what it is. I mean, that's a whole other cult of people or oh, wheel gun people, oh, 1911 man. people. I mean, look, you like what you like. That's cool. I got, I got no complaints with you. But I grew up shooting those types of triggers, so that's what I'm used to. It took me a long time to kind of warm up to striker fire guns, you know. But I remember when I first shot that Canic, I thought, man, the trigger on this thing is so freaking good. Like it's it's vastly superior to a Glock. Was that one of the newer like the Metes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things have such fantastic. They triggers. shot so good. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking, wow, like why can't every striker fire gun have a trigger like that? You know, the the newer MMPs like the 2.0 metal. You know, that gun shot great. Mm-hmm. You know, great trigger, nice rigid frame. I mean, it definitely kind of crossed the line right between polymer guns and metal guns. So. It seems like Smith & Wesson is kind of getting back to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. That new pistol they just released, I think it's called the CSX. Yeah, CSX that or little, something like, yeah, little tiny millimeter. Looks kind of like almost like a little hybrid 1911 yeah. sort of deal. We haven't gotten one of those in to review yet, but I'm, I have a feeling we'll probably be getting one of those in to do some video work on. I'm very curious about that little gun because mm-hmm. I like the P365 XL. That's kind of my go-to carry pistol. And look, I've been kind of a fanboy for those SIGs for a while. I like the M17. I like the M18. I like the P320. I'm a big fan of the Flux Raider, which allows me to use the 320 chassis, which I'm a huge fan of that rig. I think it's a very forward-thinking setup. So, I don't know. I'm 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 kind of thinking that that, that new Smith could maybe bridge that gap, you know, and then they just released the shield plus. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of competing with the three sixty five a bit. Of course you have the, the, the Glocks with the double stack shield mm-hmm. arms mags. So yeah, like the, the industry is always going to pivot and, and compete with each other for your business. Right. And that's cool. But it's like, man, I always go back to that SIG. I, know. I just can't help it. I, I just love it. It's still good. It's, it's a good gun. I still want one um, at some point, but uh, I think recently I saw, just scrolling through Instagram or somewhere, maybe there was a polymer frame 1911 that came out or something along those lines. It was kind of goofy. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. Like a double stack polymer frame 1911 top, whole nine yards, kind of like your old Kimber. Yeah. You know, I've got a BP 10 2 plus and a 14 round magazines of 45 ACP in your hand. So it is kind of a bit of a bulky gun, but 
It is pretty cool. It is neat. I mean, the FNX, you know, the 45 tactical kind of does it for me in that, that realm. Mm-hmm. But that's well, always got the been threaded barrel, which yeah. is nice. You can shoot it suppressed, which I still got to figure out why my Tyrant, I, I, I think it's just my suppressor for some reason, just not meshing with that particular gun. But I'm having some real accuracy issues out of my FNX, but I need to try some different cans on it. Sorry. Maybe you should have bought a Glock. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, Glocks don't, uh, you know, sometimes Glocks don't exactly suppress that well no. in terms of functionality. Like they, they can be kind of finicky. Now, some oh, you're up. messing with perfection. You are. You're adding something to the equation that Gaston didn't think of. I'm trying to think of any other fanboys that we may have I know, looked over so or forgotten many, about. There's so many sects when it comes to like the religion, uh, gun, gun cultist religion. I mean, look, it's not a bad thing. Okay. Look, ah, I have one. Millsurps. Okay. I mean, there's folks that like all they're into is old school stuff, mm-hmm. millsurps, you know, and black powder. I mean, you're always going to have your little groups of people that have their interest levels and there's certainly nothing wrong with it. It's natural for us to, to do that. I mean, it's a very American trait for us all to have common interests. And you obviously, you see the black powder guys get out and they do their rendezvous together and they camp out and shoot. And that's cool. You know, they compete or whatever. Same thing with Millsurp collectors. You know, you're going to have your circles of people that, you know, they're extremely knowledgeable about every little tiny screw on every single Millsurp ever made. As a gun owner, I think I've always just been the kind of guy that, you know, I love guns, right? I, I, I love everything that has to do with with guns, right? So, for me, it was always hard to, to to really zone in on one area because I love machine guns, I love black powder, I love cannons, I love air rifles, I love you know, you name it, millsurps, modern, old, doesn't matter. Um, I, I just love guns, period. So, I've always been, I guess, what you'd call sort of just a universal gun guy. That hey, if it launches a pill, I can I can pretty much be interested in it, you know. I think I've gotten much more into suppressors over the last few years, especially, you know, Chad's gone real hardcore down the suppressor round. I mean, that that's a whole other group of people where you're suppressor nerds, you're air gun nerds. I mean, they're all going to have their followings, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, what were you thinking? All right, so I got a few. All right. M14, FAL. Ooh, Ooh man. Like the right arm of the free world. And then you got the M14. Ooh. Like, no other battle rifle can top the FAL. Oh, no, the M14. <sighs> you know, oh, the M14's a giant, you know, turd. It's a big old steel turd, you know. It gets dirty and clogged up. It jams right and left, you know. The I FAL think- was used in more countries, at, you know, as a service weapon mm. than anything else ever in history, right? I think I mean, I'm an FAL guy. So you got that, and then, all right, you got the, within the gun cults, I think that, I think that Fuddery could be a cult all in itself. Oh, gosh. Right? How could you not mention FUDs? I mean, like, there's just a FUD cult, and it's kind of the culmination of all those thoughts of, what do you need that for? You need polymer, you need wood and metal, boy. Oh. I will say, though, that Springfield Armory has that SOCOM 16, the little short uh, You are all about that, inch. aren't you? M1A, now that I like. Short and compact, handy. You know, I'm I'm wanting to I'm I'm gonna probably end up getting a DSA FAL with like a thirteen inch barrel in the folding mm-hmm. paratrooper stock. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my that's the rig that I would want in a, in an FAL with a little thirteen inch barrel, something short and handy. Woo. Although 
you know, look, the full-length Israeli heavy barrel is kind of hard to beat. Anyway, I digress. Eric is going to join the cult of unburned powder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, (laughs) let's see. The other... uh, what was the other one I was just thinking of? Oh man, FAL M fourteen fuddy duddies, uh, fuds in general, fuds in general. Um, Lord Almighty, I had another one in my head. I should have written it down. If I don't write things down these days, they just kind of flutter away. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead. I'll think about it. Well, oh, oh no, I know what it was. Go ahead. If it ain't a three hundred eight. It ain't nothing. Oh, the three hundred eight family. Oh club. man, or like six five Crete. Uh, like you want to talk about hipsters. I mean, like if you could personify the relationship between someone who loves the 308 and someone who loves the 65 Creedmoor, it'd literally be like, you know, a boomer and then, you know, a hippie like I used to look like with long hair and whatever, just hanging out like, yeah, man, 65 Creedmoor is a new new ticket, dude. Like, no, 308, 308, son. I think that, you know, we've covered this in previous videos, but we'll just kind of quickly recap I ammunition think. cults just just to to recap is that i think it's important to have a 308 auto loader maybe a bolt gun laying around even if it's just a hunting rifle just so you can use 308 ammo which is obviously quite uh common <laughs> and then you know 65 creed i mean if you're looking for performance you know you, you've got some options six millimeter creed more six five creed more six five prc 300 prc i mean there's lots of these newer cartridges that are definitely Doing some great things. I mean, I remember the first time I shot a 65284 in the Desert Tech. It's like the laser beam. It's awesome. I remember the first time I shot a 338 Lapua, uh, which, you know, was a TRG 42 with a Heinzolt optic on it. Which, <sighs> I mean, how much cooler can you get than that? So every cartridge is going to have their, their, their fanboys, the people that, that love them. But I think the true gun guys and gals that are out there. We'll see the merits and flaws of every single cartridge. And you know what? Be be accommodating to, to any cartridge. I mean, I, there's days that I'm just craving to get out and shoot, you know, my 10-inch 7.62 by 39 AK. Or mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to blast some rounds out of the mutant full auto. Mm-hmm. That's right, okay. So you just sling some lead. <laughs> my feeling about the whole topic is I like being uh, a t- – I like to have a – I like to have a, like – budget membership with every cult because I like all the things and I like to participate in all the things and be able to pick this and pick that, you know, take a SIG, take a Glock, compare the two, whatever the case is. You like to have options, but it's, it's kind of like if you're such a fanboy that you're, you're only dedicated to one particular brand that's all fine and good. It has its advantages, but I think you're limiting yourself a little bit too, um, to a certain degree. You're not able to like fully enjoy the um, vast sea of gun ownership options that are out there. I don't know. Maybe. I think that's always been my approach to the gun world is to just try to keep an open mind, you know. And um, you know, for me, my first epiphany was you know when I got into Milserps because I thought it was so cool. I always loved military history. And I always enjoyed military rifles and to think that, wow, there's all this vast sea of different mill serps that you can own. And when you get out on that, on that path, it can be addicting and a lot of fun. And you learn a lot too. It helps you learn history to put things into your hands that were used in conflicts and that actually are 
have historical significance. I mean, we're not just talking a copy. You know, I've got Finnish M39 service rifles that were used by ski troops in the Winter War 39. You know, I've got I've got guns that were actually used in conflict. So it's something cool to be able to, you know, hold a piece of history in your hand and, and actually shoot it and enjoy it. So I think, you know, just sort of cowering away into one little group, you know, I, I think is a little self-defeating. You know, people should have an open mind and they should um, experience everything that guns have to offer because there's so many cool things mm-hmm. you can do. If you've never shot a 50 before, I mean, you need to do it. It's it's awesome. I think everybody's in the cult of 50. I mean, I mean everybody has the minute you squeeze a trigger on a 50, you're like, okay, I like this. You've got a lifetime membership, I think, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think you do sell yourself short for sure if you uh, kind of back yourself into a corner and you yeah. just focus on one thing. But Or the mile club, you know, shooting a mile. Yeah. I mean, how many people have shot a mile? It's fun. Mm. It's challenging, right? There's a lot of things that can go wrong, but once you connect, it's like, wow, I just sent a bullet a mile and hit the target. Yep. It's awesome. I will say that the the fanboy cults like really do make for good entertainment, though. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, look, keep it up. Yeah, I mean, but. we're we're all guilty. No matter who you are within the gun world, you are guilty of being a fanboy at some given point. And this isn't really meant to, like, kick any mud on anybody. We're just kind of discussing that, you know, sometimes in the 2A world, you know, we, we all almost kind of become our own worst enemies. You know, we get after each other's throats about little things and people get real defensive about things. And it's just no reason to be that way. You know, enjoy what you enjoy. Do you let other people do what they want? And I think the world would be a better place. You know, mm-hmm. just get out there and shoot some guns, man. Don't worry about it. Just mm-hmm. get out there and shoot some guns, man. Just shoot some guns. Just shoot them. It's like, hey, honey. Hey, honey, we got to go to church. We're running late. Don't forget the rifles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's it. All right. Make sure it's the clean one <laughs> <laughs> so we look good on Sunday. <laughs> I, that's pretty phenomenal. I, I had no idea that that was a thing, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to do some more research on that, oh, on boy. that church. That, that I'll expect a uh, sub stack on the topic by tomorrow morning. Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, so I do have a sub stack, so make sure you subscribe to my uh, sub stack feed. You'll see it there on my post feed here on YouTube. Dang. Shameless plug. Ding. But I think this, you know, we, we could talk about this for hours probably, but I think this gives you a, a pretty good synopsis of how this looks in terms of the of the gun gangs. All right. That's what we're going to call this. But I'm sure we missed some. Yeah, we we so. missed some. So did we miss a group? Let me know down in the comment section below. Respectfully. Uh let let your let your peace be known, and maybe we'll revisit this video with some of your suggestions about some of the cults that we might have missed. How could you have forgotten about? Ding! <laughs> All right. Hope everybody has a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget about that pyramid link, okay? Uh, if you just go over and text IV8888 to 91256, you'll get $10 off your next $50 or more order from Pyramid. So again, big thanks to them for supporting us. And thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe. Click the notification bell. Many more videos on the way. We'll see you soon. What was that number again? 8675098? No. Hey, what? What was it? What was 91256, it? fool. I'm just kidding. <laughs>